Welcome to the Faith Church Pestigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpestigo.com and we're on Facebook. Just search Faith Church Pestigo. Today's podcast is a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie about the sermon from May 27th, Overcoming the World. Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay, and with me is the long-lost Robbie. I've really missed that. Hey everybody. Hey everybody. I know, you don't get that at home, do you? I don't. So Robbie, you have been gone for eight months. <laughs> it feels like it. And 12 it days. It feels like it. And two yeah. years. Um, so, yeah, where have you been, man? Uh, well, I mean, there was an expected absence where I was gone for a couple of weeks for uh, for school. I'm in school, wrapping up my master's degree. And so there was a planned absence for a couple of weeks in there. That was excellent and encouraging, and I loved that. And then we got home, rearing to go. I was all pumped up and recharged and fueled and ready to hit the ground running and uh and I had a family member who was not me and not either of my children <laughs> test positive for covid and so was it then, your third cousin in we boston cuz that guy is always getting covid found ourselves that guy that guy's the worst you know him um you, yeah we uh yeah so then we found ourselves on quarantine for another 2 weeks but uh I did not get sick Praise Jesus, tested negative early this week, and so back in the saddle. That's I wish I. There's no saddle. I wish I went some. You're back in your weirdish reddish orange chair. That's right. I'm back in the back in the captain's seat. Back in the captain's seat. I tried to sit in that when I recorded with Jeff. I tried to sit in your captain's seat, and I just it didn't. I didn't fit. It is. It is formed to my peculiar physique yeah i think it is like i just i it just it felt wrong but i did anyway i tried to do my best robbie impression thanks for filling in yeah thanks thanks for filling in. <laughs> all right well are you planning on uh shouting into the microphone like I'm you not, did on sunday i i don't think i'm planning on shouting in the microphone okay i can't be held responsible for the volume of my voice that is one thing i feel like i have zero control over you can't be, who should be held responsible for the volume of your voice i that's a, maybe the holy spirit i don't know man i i've i don't ever feel like i have a good handle there's like a saturday night live skit with the will ferrell you know and he no death perception and he or he can't he couldn't control the sound or tone of his voice or the volume of his voice oh yeah yeah yeah, he couldn't modulate. He couldn't modulate, yeah. right. So I, that's how I feel sometimes. I feel like I don't even realize that I got loud or I got animated and um, then it's already done. Because I feel like that's a that's a good segue into, I think you sort of did that a little bit on Sunday. Like yeah. You were, you were pretty passionate on Sunday. That was, the, that was the loudest I've heard Jay preach in quite a while. I was, I didn't realize it until afterwards. Somebody commented that they were worried about my blood pressure. About your blood pressure? Yes. Well, I didn't. I didn't feel like it was a. It was dangerous. You just you you were clearly very passionate about what you were communicating. Yeah, you said that I that I was messing with the white balance. <laughs> I mean, you you had a you had a magenta hue about about yourself, but I'll, I'm going to say that that was probably because of the camera settings, not necessarily because of 
I was, I was the vein the that was throbbing in your forehead and the and the, the, the purple the face. So okay, so we've we've already begun by making light of it, but I I did want to ask like what um like clearly you were you were passionate about you you cared a lot about what you were communicating on Sunday. What what was it um that that stirred in you so much? That's that stirred that passion. Well, so the rabbit trail that I went down was number one. Obviously, we were talking, we're preaching through First John and talking about overcoming the world. So, um, and and in light of what we talked about the week before with the Antichrist, I knew that I was leaving people with this this kind of question of, okay, well, if I if I trust in the person and the work of Jesus to bring about everything that God has ordained would happen then what do I do when I look around and like, what am I supposed to do? Just twiddle my thumbs and just yeah. sit and wait. Do I just watch things happen in my, in the, in the place where I live and that I think are destructive. Um, and, and so I knew that it was going to be this question of, okay, well then what does it look like that in Christ, in the Holy spirit that we've already overcome the world and we are overcoming the world. Hmm. And I wanted to give some tangible um, some some handles to that, but the problem is, I mean, then that obviously goes to. Then I start thinking about, okay, well, what is actually the battle going on in our world? Like, what is? And uh, it's so easy to make those things about politics or to make it about um, just personal preferences. But yeah. when you actually try to step back and say, what is the spiritual battle happening here? Like, if I can, if I can go back to a thirty thousand foot view and say in both both 30,000 feet view in the sense of um, spiritual as well as physical, eternal as well as temporal, in the, in the frame of reference of all of history, and just saying, okay, when you look at history and you think, okay, at different parts of world history, like what would you hope that Christians, how would you hope that they function? Yeah. And when we go back through world history, you see eras where for lack of a better phrase, we'd say, I'm really proud of the Christians in that era. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, I think about the plagues, like when the, when, you know, the bubonic plague and when Christians like went into those areas and risked their own lives in order to yeah. care for the sick. Like that's, I look back at that and think, I, I'm really proud of Christians yeah. in that yeah. era. Um, but then there are other eras where we aren't as like that, where, um, Christians didn't, um, function in a way that we would hope that that we would in those times and and so i'm looking at this um and and thinking about us thinking about christians in this era in this time and how are we supposed to respond and how how will we how will christians 200 years from now think you know how would they reflect on how we responded and and mm-hmm. most importantly how does how then how does god desire us to respond um, what should we value? What should we think is a big deal? And where are the pitfalls? And when you look through Christian history or through world history through a Christian lens, you realize that 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 the times where, again, for lack of a better way of saying it, um, eras where Christians were, we'll say, disappointing, is always when they confuse Christ's kingdom with something else, hmm. like that we're confusing it with. 
with these earthly temporary realms and that we're meshing them together in a way that they are not designed to be. When we forget that we, that this world is temporary, when we forget that this isn't our home, when we believe falsely that we have something else of value to live for other outside of Christ. Yeah. And there are times in history where, um, as I point out on Sunday that, those things kind of overlap and it feels like you can kind of do both of those things. You can live for now and you can live for eternity. And then there are other eras where that just isn't, that isn't the case, you know, other Mm. times and places in history where that's not possible. And so all of that is a very long answer to say like all of that comes, these are all the things that were running through my mind in the buildup. And then you, so then you add to that my desire to see us as Christians honor Christ and to not, buy into the idolatry of this world and the idolatry of, um, you know, even of our country at the same time, knowing how much I love this country. Like I love being here and I love, I am thankful for the, the freedoms and the opportunities that we have. And so it's, it's all that combined. So my, my, my love for our people and desire to see them follow Jesus in this, my, 30,000 foot view of seeing how Christians have responded in history and my desire that we would, that we would respond in a way that is faithful and Christ honoring combined with my love for, for my neighbor here and for this country and wanting to see it, um, wanting to see it succeed. Like Mm -hmm. I want to work for the good of my neighbor. I want to work for the success of the city and to know that as a Christian, I have to believe that the best way to accomplish that is to participate in the work of Jesus um, in the way mm. of Jesus. Mm. And so when all of that gets combined, it gets me really pumps really, you up. It pumps me up. And I'm just thinking like, Oh, like if we could just see this and, and I, and I start thinking about all the things that, that we get distracted by and all the things that we, and we have to understand too, that when we idolize something, we destroy it. I mean, you make an right. idol of something, that's a sure way to have it destroyed. Yeah. Or it destroys us or it destroys us. Like yeah. destruction is coming. And so, I love my wife, but if I make an idol out of my wife, I will destroy my marriage. Yes. And and I think that people don't always grasp that, that as Christians, we're the ones who understand that. We're the ones that understand what idolatry does to something. And so when you idolize, if you idolize our country, you turn it into something to be worshipped, right. you are participating in its destruction. And that upsets me because I don't want to see my home in this place destroyed and does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that's a difficult concept for a lot of us to to grab hold of, right? Because we think, but this is a good thing. Like, it can't be idolatrous because it's a good thing. Or even this is something that God specifically called us to. So to, to be able to make that distinction of idolatry is not, I just pursue bad things. Right. It's right. I pursue, sometimes it's I pursue the right thing in the wrong way. Right. Or I, or uh, or I pers- or I so enmesh this good thing with Christ and the gospel that I that it becomes inseparable, and I believe that this unnecessary thing is so enmeshed with the necessary thing that it becomes an idolatrous. Under I, I view them as the same. So right. the gospel and this thing uh, is so enmeshed, and so I think it can be difficult for us to to see those areas in our lives because we can go we can look at that thing and go but this is a good thing this is a thing from god and and forget the the ten commandments and the ark of the covenant was a gift from god to the people of israel 
And when they began to view it in an idolatrous way, it destroyed their army and the Philistines stole it. God was like, I can't, this is why I can't give you good things, right? Like you immediately took this gift from me, this thing that I told you to revere that was supposed to point you to me and you made it the thing. And so it's not because the ark was evil. It's not because the 10 commandment tablets of the law, the tablets of the law were evil. Those were handwritten by God, a gift from him. But Israel viewed that as the thing that would save them. And so it became idolatrous and ultimately destroyed them. It took Mm -hmm. a long time for it to get back. I mean, decades before it actually made it back into uh, Jerusalem itself. So it, I think it's helpful for you to say, I appreciate the way you said that. Like this is when we talk about things about like this country or certain aspects of this culture or even aspects of Christian culture that we have an idolatrous approach toward. We're not saying that thing is bad. We're just cautioning that when we approach that in an unbiblical way, it becomes that thing. It then supersedes Christ. Right. And, and at that point, then we're, we're not being biblically faithful. We're using God's gifts to, to, I mean, the picture of Hosea is we use the gifts that our husband has given us to cheat on our husband. Like right. that's, that's the book of Hosea. And so that's bad. Like, so it's a, it, that good thing bad. becomes a very bad thing when, when it becomes uh, out of proportion. Yeah. I mean, Tim Keller talks about that, that an idol is when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. And that's really like, so what comes to my mind is the parable of the treasure hidden in the field. So when you talk about the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man finds it, he goes and sells all that he has to, to buy the field. Um, well, that's how we're supposed to view the kingdom of God. That's how we're supposed to view being with Christ and being in his reign. If you put something else in there, the same thing applies that, that, that principle is actually a principle that fits in anything, whatever is that treasure in the field for you, you will sell everything that you have to get it because at all costs you have to have it. Now, if somebody gives it to you freely, then maybe you don't have to sell everything off, but you will if you need it. And, um, and so if you put like, say, uh, you know, it's easy to take those good things. And if you put it in that place, then when push comes to shove, at all costs, you will have to maintain that because that's where your hope is. Right. You know, an example, um, I mean, there are other examples that we know of this. Like, obviously, if I, the difference between me loving my child and I idolizing my child, if I idolize my child, now his successes and failures are my successes and failures. Right. If he doesn't do well in school or if he doesn't get a good job or if he doesn't, if people mm. don't see him yeah. as successful, then I, I'm not successful. And if I attach, you know, with idols, we attach our identity to it. We attach our worth to it. We, we move everything around to get that. And, and then when we, if, if we see it crumbling, we do anything we can. And so that's where as a parent, if my kid is struggling, um, you know, academically, if I'm thinking like, well, at all costs, you have to get good grades. And so now I sacrifice other things and I turn to, you know, belittling him or, you know, whatever I'm doing, to like make sure or, or cheating on his behalf or, you know, manipulating the system so that he comes out ahead or any of these different things that, that I've seen happen. Well, that's going to destroy my relationship with him. So now I started out saying, I love my son. I want what's best for my son. But if it's an ultimate thing, then I will end up destroying it. 
either now I will destroy my relationship with him, whether it's now or when he's 24 and chooses a career that I think is silly or mm-hmm. that other people look at and say, you know, that's not successful or whatever the case is. That's different than loving him and wanting him to accomplish all that God has given him to accomplish. Yeah. Those are those are different things. And so you could look at it and say, well, so then do you not want your kid to be successful? Right. Well, yeah, I do. Right. But I know that if I do truly want that, if I truly love him, then I will prioritize, like I will make him understand that Christ is our all. And I will see that my calling as a parent is to yeah. parent him in the way that Christ is leading me. And, and so that's the, I think there's that difference. So then when we see our culture, our country, like I want our country to, for example, have righteous laws. I want it, I want it to protect the people it should be protecting. I don't want it to encourage sin, but knowing that this is not my home, I can't be surprised when that happens. Mm -hmm. Knowing it's not the same thing as God's kingdom, I can't be surprised when that happens. And when that happens, when laws are created that I feel are unjust or they're unbiblical, if 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 I'm not surprised, if I'm not idolizing the country, then my ultimate worth and identity is not wrapped up in that, in those righteous laws. And so therefore I'm free to still love and love my neighbor and to serve joyfully and to exist and to, you know, and, and to be a good citizen here. If I don't, if I idolize it and my worth and identity, well, that's when you get civil war and destroy. I mean, like you think about the, we were talking about the civil war earlier and that comes from idolizing things. Right. Which leads to desperation for control, which leads to fear, both of which are horribly destructive motivations for decisions. Whenever we're operating out of fear or operating out of desperation to to maintain control, that ends poorly every single time. Um, I I think that's so important. I think that, I think that that illustration of parenting can be a really helpful one because on, on one hand, you're right. You can hear that and go, well, you're not putting that kind of pressure on your, your son. Don't you want him to succeed? Not understanding, no, it's because I want right. my daughter to succeed that I don't crush her with impossible expectations and interact with her with a constant low-grade disappointment. Right. right. That's why I do those things because or try to do those things by God's grace because because I want her to succeed because crushing her with expectations does not ever lead to success uh kids pick up on your your constant low-grade disappointment in Mm -hmm. them and that does not inspire or encourage success like so we end up producing the very thing that we afraid we're afraid of producing yes in our desperation to control that and which is why New Testament over and over again. What is it? It's dying to yourself. It's surrendering control. It's trusting God in those things. It's the the more I try to grab onto it, the more it slips out of my grasp versus being able to just trust. Like, do I actually, like, do I actually have faith? Do I have faith in God? Meaning, do I, do I actively believe and, and make choices operate under the the conviction that he has this, that he has accomplished all that is required for life and godliness, mm-hmm. that he that he knows the hairs on my head and he knows what's going on in every cell of my body and he knows what's going like that do I 
do I actually live in faith or do I allow myself to be controlled by fear, which then leads to idolatry. And we start grasping at those lesser things to go, maybe this will save, maybe this will sustain, maybe this will satisfy. And, and, and it all functionally ends up just being a lack of faith. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that what's key in there is what you said that I just wish that if, if I, if there's anything that I could get across that I would love for people to really process is to realize what you said there. If I love if I actually truly love this thing, whatever it is, you know, whether it's my child or my, um, or my job or, or my country, then I won't let it become an idol. I, I won't let it become an ultimate thing because at that point now I am putting a crushing burden on it that it's not meant to sustain. It can't sustain. And I'm actually, it's not, it's a selfish, then it's a selfish love. Um, which is kind of a whole weird tangent that you go in, like, because our love of God is in some way, is in many ways selfish. We are the benefactors or that we're the beneficiaries. He's the benefactor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't serve, you can't serve freely someone that you've placed your whole identity and worth on because you, you have to manipulate and control. You, yeah. you will, everybody will. And that's where we end up in the name of trying to manipulate and force our country to function like God's kingdom, we end up dishonoring the king. That was a big theme of, of the message that I, I hope sunk in, that, mm. that that's what happens when you turn something into an idol because all of a sudden now you are, you're going about trying to make this thing look like the kingdom, but the only way to do that is... You, you, it's either going to be through the transformation of the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus himself is going to come and do that at one point. We aren't powerful enough to do that. So the only way you really can do it is to try to manipulate and control and force and do all these things that Jesus did not do. And so, and he did not call us to do. And so then you're left with that. And, and I, and I acknowledge that that's difficult. Any parent who has seen their child make destructive life choices can empathize and understand like that's not easy right it's not easy to love somebody enough to understand that i i can't make an idol out of you i i can't attach my worth like you don't you don't enjoy watching that happen but at the same time you understand i can't force this what i can do is i can obey jesus in the midst of this so just like you know parents who have walked through that will say the best thing they know they can do for their child is to continue to love them, to continue to help their child understand that regardless of what they do, they're going to be loved. And I think um, it would, man, can you imagine what would happen in our country right now if that was our posture? Right. Saying like, I know, I believe this decision is destructive. I believe that this isn't helpful, but you know what? I love, I love this. This is my home and this is my temporary home. And so I want to care for it. I want to care for my neighbor. So I'm going to continue to participate and, and to love people even when they disagree with me or even when they, I, they're making decisions I think are wrong. That gives you a freedom to actually love and serve them, which, by the way, ends up having an impact. Like right. that's how cultures shift. Which is the way Jesus tells right. us his kingdom actually expands. Right. It does not It does not work by worldly methods, by no. man's methods. That that It doesn't work. And... And worse than that, it might. 
Right. Because if it's all behavior modification, then yes. then we end up with whitewashed tombs who who honor God with their lips while their hearts are mm-hmm. far from them. We end up with unregenerate people who are willing to follow the rules, but are not saved, are not holy, are not yeah. actually part of God's kingdom. So uh, we don't actually want that to work. We don't want the no. outside in method to work because it doesn't what it's That's what it's good. actually accomplishing is not salvation it's not actually producing the kingdom of god so better for us to do what we can and and to you i mean would you how you started this of you know looking back and seeing like what are the eras of health i I might push back just a little bit and argue like in every era there's pockets of of god's glorious work happening like so in the worst areas like as the crusades are marching through and slaughtering innocents there are pockets of people who are going that doesn't reflect christ like that's not okay who are loving god and loving their neighbors and and those like that's the distinction like the person who is walking into the plague infested city to serve people who are suffering cannot do that apart from the overwhelming conviction of but i love god more than myself and I love others more than myself. Like that, that is the driving motivation in every era of the people of God who stand apart from everything else around them as the people of God. Those who say, I love God with everything that I ha- am and everything that I have, and I love my neighbor at least as much as I love myself. And so I would want someone to do this for me, so I'm gonna do that for them. Like that is what marks those people and that is what Jesus and the vast majority of the New Testament tells us actually is God's means of transforming hearts. Like that's his means, his conduit of the gospel then invading that person's soul and, and transforming them from the inside out, which if that was our primary mode of operation and, and, and cultural change, then the culture would change from the inside out. Then we wouldn't worry about the laws anymore because everyone's obeying Christ because they're all because they're all His and they're all committed to Him, rather than this this backwards outside in. Well, if we just make them follow these rules, right. then then that will change their heart. It's never that's never worked. Jesus says that's not how it works. We should listen to Jesus more. We I think. <laughs> well, that's the that and therein lies it. Like therein lies this this central issue. And I love what you said there about the that it fails either way. So if it's if it fails, it fails. If it su- succeeds, it fails, and and we saw that definitely. Like you don't have to go back in our history for very long. That um, you know when C.S. Lewis would write, I remember in in Mere Christianity, he talks about how using Christian as a as an adjective to describe morality was right. such a dangerous thing, and it was so normal. Like it was the Christian thing to do. It's the right. you know a good Christian just meant having good morals. That was the outside in, and it fell apart very destructive it was out of that that you know abortions became like the a thing like it became legal it became you know you had the 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 kind of the rebellion of the 60s and all that came as this pushback of of what it looks like when you try to go outside in and um and then i also think you're right i mean that's so encouraging to remember that yes during the crusades not every christian was supportive of the crusades But they were the minority, right? And they looked like they were crazy. Yes, they looked like they did not care. They were made to look like they didn't care about the kingdom. They didn't care about their country. They didn't. They were, and 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 so I can't help but feel 
Like, are we in another era like that where you may, if you follow Jesus, you very likely could be called unpatriotic, unloving to your neighbor, not caring about the kingdom because you, you don't care about these or you're not, you're not making these laws or these elections the main thing. Right. And so you're not, you don't care about the spread of the gospel. You don't care about the kingdom. And I just want to encourage people that if that's, if you're in that and you, and you feel torn about that, don't be discouraged. Like that, that has always been, there were, I mean, can you imagine being a pastor in the South in the 1940s and 50s and believing that people of color were equal and, and speaking out against lynchings and violence? You, not only were you in the minority, but you very likely would have been in danger. Yes. It was churches were often burned to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's this isn't new. This is this is what the calling of of actually following Jesus is that you're working you're working for the good and serving people who may hate you or may think that you are a fool or may think that whatever the case is Jesus said don't be surprised by this. What do you think they 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 hated me. What do you think they're going to do? Yeah. You know and Peter says, Why, d- "Don't be surprised at these trials, as though something strange were happening to you. This is, this is the calling." And so I think, I think being prepared for that and being able to stand firm in that and to say, "No, it's because it's because I love my neighbor. It's because I I I think we are supposed to be stewards of this country." Um, when I think about how many Christians there are and have been in this country. That's a huge stewardship of that. And, the, and how do we steward that gift? Do we steward that gift by acting like the Pharisees and forcing outside-in change? Or do we mm. steward that gift by being Christ-like servants and being resilient and continuing to work day after day, even in the midst of whatever else is happening, and refusing to compromise the Word of God and the Kingdom of God, like refusing to compromise that? And and that means serving and loving and and right. not doing like if you this whole idea. Sorry, I'll, I'll, let me, I'll, put a, I'll put a bow on this, and then you can jump in here. But I, I think there is this there is this propaganda really that's saying like, well, we refuse to compromise on the word of God, and I I'm all for that. Don't compromise the word of God. The word of God says to pray for your enemies. And love your enemies and pray for those who persecute right. you. The, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Right. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. Right. And it does. That's the say, word of God that we are not supposed you, to compromise. Right. If they ask you to go one mile, go two. If they ask you, like the, this, if if they ask you for your cloak, give them your tunic. If they strike you, your, offer the, them the other right. cheek. If and, they steal your cloak, give them your tunic right. as well. Like, yeah. That's the word of God that we are yeah. not supposed to compromise. Yeah, it's it's all throughout. It, rather, you would rather be wronged than to defame right. the name of Jesus. That you would, um, when you're stolen from, don't right. expect it to be paid back. Like there are all these things that we would say. Well, that's Paul saying. I would rather die than put it than than exercise my rights in a way that puts a stumbling block right. of the gospel in front of yeah. a lost person. Like that's that is the word of God that we are not supposed to compromise. That is that is the upside down kingdom that we are citizens of 
living the way Peter says, living as resident aliens in whatever earthly right. country we currently live in, but but true citizens of the kingdom of God. Like, are we representing our kingdom well? And and we know we are when we look an awful lot like our king. Mm-hmm. And when and when you live in a place where that is um, acceptable and valued, then give thanks. Yeah. Give thanks and, and live yeah, in that and that. receive that as a gift. And that is what we have been in this country in, yeah. for so long. But it is not the norm yeah. through world history. And when you don't, take heart. And when you because don't, that, right. that makes you like right. nearly every other right. Christian in church history. Yeah. And the Jews and throughout all of Jewish history. Yeah. And it's no different than what I would say about health. You know, we talk about this all the time that if if you are healthy, give thanks. Yeah. Don't feel guilty that you're healthy. Yeah. Amen. Don't pray that God would somehow strike you with some illness right. because like you think it'll make you holier or whatever. Like be, give thanks. Rejoice in that. But if cancer hits or if some diagnosis hits, then take heart because he is with you in that and yeah. he will and he will sustain you in that and your hope is not in your health. Don't idolize right. your health. Don't idolize these are, don't place your worth or your identity in that. Place it in Jesus, and then you can stand with Paul when he says, in all circumstances, yeah. I could be any of these things because it's Christ who strengthens me. And so that is a, that's our hope for, for, for the church. That's why I got so, like, I just mm. see our people, and I want, I want us all together. We need each other to do that, man. It is not easy. It's not easy to remind. Like, we need help being reminded. We need to constantly be in God's word. We need to be pushing on each other, encouraging one another. And that's part of what this podcast is for. Like that's why we, that's why we do this. Why we record these afterwards? Because I know that sometimes you can be left, especially after a Sunday like that, <laughs> with head spinning of like, well. Um, so hopefully this is a help. Um, and if it if it is, then great. If if you have questions, anytime you have questions after in the aftermath of a sermon or any other time, please let us know. We would love to address them and at least process the process them with you here because we don't always have clear-cut answers of like well here are the seven steps to doing this sometimes we've gotten really practical about like here's ways you can practice this thing and other times it's just here's how we're processing this and trying to think about this in a christ-honoring way yeah you know we get we get passionate about this stuff because we really love jesus and we really love you church we we want God's highest and best for you. We want uh, Christ's abundant life for you. And so we get worked up because you are dearly and deeply loved um, by by us and much more so by your Heavenly Father. So we do hope and pray that you are encouraged by these podcasts and by Sunday mornings, by the devos that the staff is working hard to produce throughout the week. We, we do this because because we love you and, and want you to grow in your delight in and and dependence on Jesus. So let us know uh, however we can help you to do that more or help you to help someone else to do that. Um, That is what we're here for. We love you, church. Grace and peace to you.